Hello, you know why we're here, Mitch Michaels, Money Mitch Effect, it's time for another episode, thanks for joining me on this wonderful sports journey, where we talk all things sports, in only the way that I can. Got a great show for you today, first up, Todd Speed, Bernard Robinson, talking NBA, we haven't had a formal preview, we're going to discuss what the first weeks of the season has looked like, first two weeks of the season, there's been some ups and downs, and really some competition in the middle, talk Greek Freak, Boogie Cousins, Cavs Struggles. Steph Porzingis, all that and more. And then I'm going to talk to my good buddy Tyler Tesson. We're going to talk NFL trade deadline. Lots of crazy activity there. Jimmy Garoppolo, a 49er. Kelvin Benjamin, a Bill. Jay Ajayi, a Eagle. And the Browns are still the Browns. Kings stay Kings and the Browns stay the Browns. It's Todd Speedburner Robinson, Tyler Tesson on the money. Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, it's basketball season, and now the Money Mitch effect. It's hoops again with Todd Speed, Werner Robinson. Todd, it's been a very interesting offseason to get to this point. We're about uh, a seven full games in the season for a lot of these teams. Thanks for joining the show. Looking forward to talking some hoops with you. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. Uh, good to be here. It's been uh, an interesting uh, opening 12 days or so of the season. Lots of uh, interesting little developments that uh, in the offseason we thought it'd be an interesting season with all the movement and stuff and changes. And um, so far it is. So it'll be fun to delve into this. It's been a little, dare I say, unpredictable for this top-heavy, you know, talent, superstar-driven league, Todd. A lot of upsets early on. I don't know if that means that the top teams aren't as good as we thought or if maybe the, the average are a little better than we thought. But say what you want about the NBA. It's been a little more competitive and interesting so far. Yeah. Um, you know, a few things playing out like we thought. Chicago and Atlanta look horrible, but then um, Brooklyn's already got three wins, so that's not playing out. Uh, and one of them against Cleveland. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a little wild and wacky, but uh, there's, there'll be plenty to, to discuss as we delve into it. Todd Robinson, Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again for coming on the show. And we're going to start with your guy, your friend and mine, the Greek Freak. What a season. I mean, this, and we're only a weekend, but this is a guy that we've always been excited for, ready to see what he's capable of. Todd, he's leading the league in scoring through a week. And, and we got to put into account the fact that this is a guy who we did not think maybe had this potential for all the potential that he had now leading the league in scoring. Now, as you say, maybe going to do it for the whole season isn't out of the question anymore. And it's only been a couple of years. Yeah. Well, I will say, cause I've had plenty of whiffs on some of my calls, uh, quote unquote, but I did kind of call him because I watched him a lot as a rookie. I drafted him late in my fantasy draft and I just, I was immediately wowed by the minutes he got. You know, it was like 10 to 15 a night early on his rookie year. But he tended to dominate the game. Like, you know, rookies come in and they tend to, you know, they're passive and they stand aside and you wait for the pass to come to him or whatever. But he um, he was happy to kind of take control. And you could see the just freakish abilities and length and skills that he had vision and a, and a handle that was just shocking for a guy his size. And you look at 34.7 points a game, six, seven games into the season. It's actually just six games in, but uh, I would think that he could very well lead the league and, and hold that 30 plus average just because he's developed a mentality. Um, so much of any sport is the mental, you know, along with your physical gifts, what kind of a mental approach uh, do you take to it? And he's very serious about being the best he can be. He wants to win. He wants to dominate. He wants to, you know, go down in history. And um, Jesus, you look at his numbers this year, he's 63.1% shooting. That's insane. It's just, so he's on the path. And even ESPN, had a uh, other freaks in sports history and they put him alongside Bo Jackson, Michael Vick and Michael Jordan. So like some of the other, <laughs> we're talking iconic athletes, uh, especially, you know, Bo, my God, what is talk about your genetic freaks. But um, so it, it's rare company that he's starting to keep maybe if he can, you know, uh, keep the pace up and stay healthy, but uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenal. 40.5 uh, 40. rating in efficiency, which nobody in the league is over 
other than him is over 37%. So it's remarkable that he's turned himself into not just a great athlete, not just a double-double machine, but a well-rounded, well-versed basketball player that can elevate a team and be the guy in the NBA, not just one of the guys, the guy. Uh, speaking of that, though, Todd, and you know we both marvel about the Greek freak, but there's another guy, and uh, it might be, uh, you know, it might open some old wounds of your fantasy draft, but right there with Giannis, and, and maybe even better than him, some would argue, through six, seven games, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I mean, his numbers have been staggering, 32.3 points a game second in the league. But dive into this some more. He's shooting some threes now. He's making 2.5 a game. He's shooting 50% from the field, Todd. 13 rebounds a game, close to 14, 5.7 assists, and an efficiency rating of 37.5. I'll say it right now. There's nothing that this guy can't do on the basketball court, and he's keeping his composure. Boogie Cousins is a top-five player in this league. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You you brought up my fantasy draft. You know, sometimes they say too much knowledge is a dangerous thing. And literally at the last minute, like 24 hours before the draft, I was reading about Drummond and how he lost weight and had surgery to clear up his breathing and he was just really ready to dominate. And sure enough, I've got the second pick of the second round, the 14th overall pick, and I went Drummond over Dikas. Mm. And my God, am I paying for that mistake? There's a uh, there's a commercial that I saw on the football game last night. Antonio Brown is a ghost, and he's haunting this guy because he didn't pick him, and his friend is needling him for not taking Brown, and Antonio is a ghost figure. And my son, my 12-year-old, he loves to video, like, edit memes and make make memes on his little phone, video memes. And I called him up when I saw this commercial. I go, hey, you got to make a meme. I'm the guy. DeMarcus Cousins is the ghost. Because, wow, he, he's haunting the whole league with just utter domination. He's at career best in points, rebounds, assists, blocks. He's 2.3 blocks a game. Tied for second in the league. By the way, the number one block shot guy in the league, you're never going to guess it. It's KD, yeah, of all, all people, 2.7 a game. And I only knew that because I had that out in front of me, but wow, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, it, it's ridiculous. nutty. But no, back to Dikas, he's reminding us that the guy's like a freakish talent, and you know he's always had that, that head that you – and that's part of the reason why I took Drummond is he never misses games, and – Dikas has that head and that temper, and and but he seems like he might be more mature. I think he really enjoys playing with Davis. I think year two now of them being together, even though it hasn't been a full year yet. Uh, it was a midseason trade last year, but I think they're going to develop better chemistry and play off one another nicely. Um, I mean, Davis came back, posted a thirty and like thirteen line or something. And Dikas, coming off his 40-20 line, posted a triple-double. So, like, they can both post massive numbers alongside each other. And Jeru Holiday is playing well, and, and hopefully he can stay healthy. There's a guy who has a hard time staying healthy. But, you know, they've got, uh, they got a few pieces there, and he's thriving, thriving and dominating. Yeah, and he seems happy. I keep getting at the assist, 5.7, the same number that Kyrie Irving averages right now, more than Durant, more than a lot of players that play at a high level in this league, and he's enjoying more himself. More than the Greek freak, too. Yeah, exactly, and I think he's just enjoying himself. I think he likes the setup. The Pelicans are a 3-3 three and three team. We didn't expect them to really tear the league up, but if you can get some shooters, get some guards to play well, this could be a very scary team in a loaded Western Conference. So I'm interested to see how they do. I mean, it's just been it's been good to see him play basketball at a high level. And and I want to segue into that to a team not playing basketball at a high level. Still chatting with Todd Robinson on the Money Mitch Effect. Todd, the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's not been pretty. It's not been oh. good to watch. They've they have been on a losing streak. It's a been shocking. Skid. It's been a shock. So they're now three and four. One in four in their last in their last five games, which ESPN's Basketball Power Index rate, rated as the easiest six game stretch any team would have this season. Any team. Now they lose to the Magic, who have looked pretty good. We'll talk a little bit about them later. They beat the Bulls in a game where they were down 15 going into the second half, and then it's losses to Brooklyn, New Orleans, and the Knicks. The three and four. But, Todd, it's more than that. I think it's more than losing because anybody loses in the NBA. You hit skids. You hit ups and downs. 
But the roster, it just doesn't scare anybody, right? Yeah, you mentioned the roster. Um, and just to, to finally close the book on New Orleans and then we'll definitely get to Cleveland, I like the fact that New Orleans is zigging when the whole league is zagging towards tiny lineups and a million guards and small forwards. Yeah. You know, playing power forward and power forwards playing center. I like that they have two massive guys who could play center on their own, and they're they're going big and, and trying to do it that way. I, I like that, but um, but yeah, no, the Cleveland roster is it's just messy. It's not. First of all, the, their big offseason acquisitions before the trade to get what now turns out to be a very injured um, Isaiah Thomas. You know, it's Jeff Green. And they picked up what the that old Jose Calderon. That how old many, how many teams have those guys been on? Jeff Green in particular. I think he's been on every team in the NBA, thinking he's and, the guy. Under uh, you know underperformed on on all of them. It just he's like a career perpetual. Like oh wow, what an athlete, what a skill set. And then he just kind of barely does it. Though he's actually had a couple. He had an eighteen point and a sixteen point game with uh, Cleveland, but. No, it's they don't have shot blockers. They don't have a lot of size. They don't have, you know, they add Dwayne Wade. Like, it's just such predictable, boring, like, oh, LeBron needs his buddy. Well, you know, Wade can kind of barely really significantly contribute. He had to leave the starting lineup because he didn't know what to do, really. He had, kind of had no role with the starters. On the bench, he kind of can take more control, and it, it makes sense that he's on the bench. Because at least now they have a, a spot-up mm-hmm. shooter in J.R. Smith in their starting lineup, but it's still not stopped the losses. They're horrific defense. They're at, they're allowing 110 points a game. There's only like I think two, three teams in the league that are worse. Four teams it, it looks like, um, and, and one of them being Phoenix, who <laughs> defense optional there. Yeah, but, and Todd, uh, I, I just want to say too, um, you hit the nail on the head. They are not good. They are terrible, to be exact, at defense. And it's the it's the roster construction. It's not having shot blockers going super small, trading offense for defense. You know, oh, we're going to get Corver. We're going to get Channing Fry. Those guys can barely play in big games anymore because they can't guard anybody. And Isaiah Thomas, as great as he is, I hope he comes back healthy and, and scores again. A very poor defender. Another bad right. defender, yeah. So if J.R. Yeah. Smith's your best perimeter defender, you probably have some problems. And LeBron's your best shot blocker, you probably have some problems. It's the fact that any team coming into their building, even into Cleveland, feels confident that they can score 100, 110 points on them without question. And we've seen it time and time again. You know, look at the points they've allowed in those in those losses, 114, 112, 123, 114. Even in the Chicago, Brooklyn Nets scored 112 against them. And you <laughs> look at the Brooklyn roster and you're like, who do they got? They got D. Russ. I'm not even sure if D. Russ was healthy that game. Like, it's, they are, uh, Cleveland's just, you know, it's, uh, I, no, D, Russell didn't even play in that game and Brooklyn posted 112 on them with Spencer Dinwiddie getting 22 points. I mean, Derrick Rose has never been a good defender either, Todd. It's just not a great offense for him. I don't know what Ty, Ty Lue's system is. I don't know if he's a great coach to begin with. But this roster has serious holes, and I just worry now that the long term is going to be in play that LeBron, because he's kind of their de facto GM, is going to want to trade that pick uh, that they have, which I would not do in any realm given uh, you know you always want to invest in the No, future. because they have a dearth of young, upcoming talent. They're kind of like the Lakers when you know Kobe and Powell were getting older and older. And they had no kind of assets coming up, and then they had to they had to like really be horrible and earn a lottery pick on their own. And Cleveland, if LeBron leaves and says you guys got nothing going here, they're going to be in that same ship. So Todd, in in talking with Cleveland and going forward, because look, they're still a team with LeBron James on it, and they're still a team that could salvage it and make a run at a championship. Uh, a lot of seasons ago. But given how poor they look, how poor they look defensively, and given some other teams in the league, do you think a team like Boston, a team like the Wiz, can challenge them in the Eastern Conference? I'd, I'd even throw maybe Milwaukee in there if they if they can put the pieces together, though that might be a little too early. The Raptors took a step back. Who in the Eastern Conference, if there is anyone, can make a meaningful run at the Cavs? 
I like that Wizards roster construction. They they didn't really do much in the off season to tinker with it. They they kind of uh, it's kind of the same, but they're young enough that they can I think get by with that. Boston, I just Boston to me they also don't really have any size on that roster. Um, I, I I worry about how how viable they are kind of inside. You know, Al Horford he kind of is a little more up and down on a night to night basis. It seems if you just, just looking at the box scores, I haven't um, watched them play a lot, but they don't have a lot of size. They got a couple of young pieces that don't play a whole lot there in Boston. Um, you know, Toronto, they're interesting. Uh, you know, J Val's been hurt and it's been, it's given a second year guy. I don't know how to say his name, Poetel or Poltel or whatever. He was, he was yeah. the, ninth pick, the ninth pick of the 2016 draft, but he's been doing all right. And Syacam has been getting some minutes and we'll get some, I think tonight, um, Ibaka and uh, Valenoasius is out. So, um, you know, they, they've got some actually young, interesting pieces. They drafted OG and Anobi who's been getting 15, 18 minutes a night in the early going, um, seems to be a good defender, kind of knows how to move the ball around, nice little all-around game. So Toronto, and of course you got, you know, Lowry and DeRozan in the backcourt. So I think Toronto, Washington, I look to those two teams. I agree that Milwaukee, as great as the Greek freak is, but if Milwaukee's going to take the next step, Thon Maker needs <laughs> to start getting it. And this hurts to say there's very, I doubt there's anyone who's a bigger Thon Maker fan than me. Yeah, I agree. But he's um, not kind of accelerated his development. He's starting. He's getting 15 to 20 a night. He still struggles to post decent rebound numbers for a guy who's seven feet and is playing the center position, but he has to kind of step it up and play well enough. Like he looked like he jumped out at Horford on defense. I was watching and Horford kind of just drove right by him. And other times he'll play really solid, amazing defense. So he just, he has to kind of get it, get a little Mm -hmm. smarter out there, um, uh, get more consistent. And then he had no confidence shooting. So Thawne, Still has that upside, massive upside. Only a second-year guy, but he has to start kind of really ramp it up, say mid-season, second half of the season, if yeah. Milwaukee is going to be threatening. But for now, I would say Toronto, Washington, I like them the most, even though um, record-wise, you know, they're just 4-2 uh, and two and 3-2. and two. Yeah, I'm not as high as you are on Toronto. I think I just need to see this over an 82-game season with some of the pieces that they've added and, and see how that works. Washington, you're right, they didn't really do much. The key to this, to me, is Kelly Oubre because he's played very well at the start of this season. And if, they can, if he can give them this over the course of a season in addition to the Wall and Beal combination, I think that can be very fascinating. I'm not ready to close the book on the Celtics just yet. I think that the Hayward injury is a backbreaker, but I do like Jason Tatum a lot. I think he's a polished scorer, as polished of a young scorer, rookie scorer as there is. Jalen Brown is a freak athlete. They're probably going to need to add a shot blocker, though. I, I do agree with that because I just don't think they protect the rim enough. But it'll be fascinating to see. I, I, with Cleveland looking more vulnerable than they have been in the last four years, there is an opening if somebody could take it. Yeah, well, you know, Toronto, by the way, has the best differential in the Eastern Conference in terms of points for, points against. They're, they're over 10 a game. They're the only double-figure differential in the Eastern Conference now, maybe they've had some blowouts playing some of the lesser lights. I'd have to look at their schedule. but um, So they, they've, they've got some pieces. Orlando, now, yeah. <laughs> a little surprise out of nowhere. Well, let's, talk um, about, let's talk about them because the Orlando Magic are a team that, I'll admit it, myself included, thought this team would be terrible. And they're not. They've looked pretty good to, throughout the start of the season, playing very inspired basketball early on against some good competition, getting to 4-2 and two. Wins over the Spurs in the uh, Cavaliers in there. But Todd, Eric, or Aaron Gordon, I should say. We'll get to the other Gordon but in a little bit. But Aaron Gordon has played very well. He's back in his natural position, looking well. Jonathan Simmons from the Spurs looking good. Suddenly Frank Vogel's got a solid team on his hands. You know, Jonathan Simmons, I do not understand why the Spurs re-signed Patty Mills at $12 million a year and let Jonathan Simmons go 
at and he signed for seven million a year. It, it, it makes no sense. Simmons was big in the playoffs for them. Mm-hmm. I love his size. He's kind of almost got an NFL build. He's he's got a fearless mentality. He had a twenty-seven point night the other night. He's a great addition. Vucevic and Gordon, like you were saying, getting Gordon at power forward where he belongs. You know, Vucevic and Gordon should be able to thrive together. Simmons is one of – he's like a super sixth man. Fournier has played great this year. He's at 22 points a game and 3.8 dimes. He, he's very nice, Fournier. He's he's really kept up his uh, – you know, kind of emerged a year or two ago, and, and he's kept at it and is even improving. Alfred Payton I like at point guard. He's been injured. He only played two games, got hurt, hasn't been back since. But, you know, DJ Augustine's doing okay, kind of keeping the ship afloat in his uh, in his absence. You got Terrence Ross, who I've always thought was kind of an underachiever, you know, great athlete who was kind of content to sit back and just bomb threes. But he's he's got a little more well-rounded stat lines this year. So I, I like the pieces. And Jonathan Isaac, you know, Gordon missed a couple of games, and Isaac started in his absence and um, still plays like 15 to 17 minutes a night when Aaron Gordon's in there and he's a nice little rookie. We talked about him in the summertime. So they've got some pieces there that they're definitely in the hunt for the seven, eight spot, maybe the six spot. Todd, I I view them as I viewed the the bucks a couple years ago. They're just accumulating assets right now. They, They haven't really figured out what their identity is, but they are starting to get some pretty good players on the roster, which is the first step in the step of rebuilding. So Oh yeah, I think they're a fringe. I think they're going to make the probably make a push for that seven eight seed as well. Um, but we'll see a lot of basketball left and a lot of teams left to talk about. Before we go to the Western Conference, Todd Spieber and Robinson, Money Mitch Effect. I need to get your thoughts on the Seventy Sixers because everybody was talking about how this would be a year they took a step with all these young players. They're two and four, and it's been kind of mixed results. On the positive side, really like what Ben Simmons has to offer. Uh, Embiid, when he's been out there, has looked good. But Markel Fultz, he's, he's going to be out for some time. It's been a disaster shooting the ball to start the season and the rest of the team still not defending at a high level. Should we just expect these growing pains, Todd, from a young 76ers team, or is this worse than uh, we could have thought? Well, let's remember that they're 2-4, and four, but their first three games were Washington, who we discussed, and they only lost by five. That was a pretty tight game, not a lot of defense, 120-115 to 115 there. That opened the season. Uh, then they lost to Boston, who's still got a lot of ass- assets, a lot of depth. You know, they lost by 10 to them. Toronto blew them out. And so that's that's a tough one. Then they they beat Detroit. They lost a super tight one to Houston. And then they won a tight one uh, at Dallas. So um, Yeah, and we they should give Houston. Detroit some credit because they got the best record in the East right now at 5-2 and two, and the Sixers beat them. So. Yeah, no, the, the Pistons are, you know, yeah, they're five, exactly, shockingly. But, um, yeah, no, I think, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, he and uh, Oscar Robertson are the only guys to have 10, 5, and 5, their first six games of their career, which I thought, I would have thought Magic could do a 10, 5, and 5, five rebounds, five assists, along with 10 points. So he's showing really exactly what people thought, that, that he's a well-rounded stud, but but I didn't realize watching him take the ball up the court, he, he's as smooth as a six foot one point guard. He's just really comfortable. He's, he's kind of like the Greek freak, that tall with the, with the, with the ball in his hand. Um, now, he, his shooting, he, he's got a, like sometimes he'll put a shot up and it's kind of like this like little floaty shot put thing from, say, anywhere from six to 10 feet. And I saw him barely graze the front of the iron. So he, he gets a little, he kind of, He's got an awkward little shooting style and motion when he, but he's got a unique game. He's unique. He's got to work on that shot and his touch, but lots of skill. Embiid, they rested already, and you know if it, the the future is now for Philly. You, you they want to make the eight spot, the seven spot now. They, they're done. They've collected the assets, and you can't rest Embiid when he's healthy. Play the guy thirty two minutes. Play him every game if he's healthy. If he tells you, you know, my knee is sore, like then it's like, okay, right. hey. But you know, but trust him. He, he just if you're gonna play to win, you're not gonna win if you're resting your guy every four, five, six games. It's just, you know, so that was annoying to see that he got rested already. I hope that that 
subsides and, and yeah. fades away. I mean, we all just um, want to see that. We we want to see Embiid play, and and I think this is a young team that, regardless of how young and how promising the talent is, you have to figure it out on the court. You have to figure it out not in the off season, not on social media, but in forty eight minutes against other NBA teams. So I expect this team to come on strong in the second half and be in that mix with a team like the Magic, with a team like the Pistons pushing for the back end of the playoffs. I think it'll come around. I think Fultz will get his shooting motion, you know, under uh, order. Now, that well, being said, Fultz. I think they're going to regret maybe not taking Tatum or Ball. That might happen, as is the case. You take a guy that high. Well, forget you Tatum and Ball. They could regret not taking Dennis Smith. Mm-hmm. They could yeah. regret not taking De'Aaron Fox. I mean, Fultz, we're talking like he, it's you, it's a hideously hitchy motion now. It's regressed since high school and since college. The confidence is now going. How much the shoulder bothers him and is causing this hitch? There's a world of speculation out there. We don't know exactly, but if it starts to get mental, you know, like then, like, I don't know. They've, as I was reading an article and they were saying, the, the guy said one thing he would do is show him all the footage of his Washington days, his one year with the Huskies in the Pac-12, and just show him, look, you can score, you can shoot, like get get over this stuff. So hopefully that can pan out because that could really set them back if he doesn't pan out or, or, if, he ever, or if this season's a wash. That would right. really be a crime. Yeah, it, well, we'll have to see. I mean, it's just you hope the young kid could figure it out. There's a lot of talent on that team, but it remains to be seen. Todd Speedman, Robinson, Money Mitch effect. I do want to talk about that other rookie in the in that class, Todd Lonzo Ball, and the Lakers. The Lakers, another team that you know they get they they're out of draft picks. They made their move. They tanked enough. It's supposed to be their year. They got their local point guard. And another team that has mixed results going forward to start. No one expects them to light the world on fire, but they've had some good games. They've had some not-so-good games, and it starts with that point guard, Lonzo Ball. Tied, he's got the vision. He's got exceptional rebounding skills as a guard, but the scoring, the shooting in particular, just hasn't been there. Do you think this is a guy that is overhyped, dare I say a little underhyped, or somewhere probably in the middle? Oh, I, I think it's inevitable that he was overhyped just because his dad kind of kept his name, if not his own name, his son's name, in the news really ever since pre-draft, the draft, all summer, preseason. So so everyone's going to look and, you know, see, okay, what about it? But he kind of is what I thought, you know, he's shooting 31%. That's maybe even worse. And I, I don't think he's going to finish the year at 31%. But, um, you know, I can very well see him at 37%. You know, Brandon Jennings, when he came into the league and was kind of a hot shot scorer and, and little point guard, little quick guy, different game, different build than Ball. But, you know, he shot like 37 38%. I could definitely see Ball in that neighborhood come year end. And I don't know that he's ever going to be, you know, 46%. But I think for the Lakers and development and his development, in a year or two, I think they would want him in the low 40s at least. He doesn't have a lot of free throw attempts uh, in, what is it, six games. He's only taken uh, nine free throw attempts all season. So that driving issue, the ability to drive and draw fouls, which people kind of thought from summer league might be an issue, it's there. You know, he's a special passer, but he's got a lot of developing to do. Recently, I haven't heard much out of his dad. I think that's a wonderful thing. The less <laughs> yeah. from him, the better. I think, but, I, yeah, I think defensively he, he needs to adjust like any young guard, young point guard does in this point guard heavy league. Part of it is matchups, you know, matchup one against Patrick Beverly, a guy that was ready for that game, was ready to shut down ball, and he did. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, that Lakers team is – Promising. Randall's looked good. Uh, Kuzma's looked good. Great value pick. Another another textbook Nets move. Just throwing him into a trade that they didn't. The have Lakers to. have nailed some second rounders. Uh, they yeah. got Jordan Clarkson. They bought off the Wizards a couple drafts ago. So they've nailed the second round a couple times now. Well, Todd, before I let you go, this has been a fun, lengthy chat on the NBA. Rather than just talk about individual teams, I want to open the floor to both of us. Which players? Which which positive trends have you liked this year? There's a lot, you know, we talked about it a lot in, in, uh, in other settings, but what are some players, some guys that stand out to you as having great starts to this season? 
Well, there's um, there's some a thirty plus brigade. Um, you know, like Dwight Howard's really revived. He's he's rebounding like he did in his prime. He's at like sixteen a game. Um, he's been pretty solid there in Charlotte. Jeremy Lamb in Charlotte. Um, you know, Batum hurt himself preseason. And Jeremy Lamb is now starting. It took him a long time, and people kind of were writing him off as a bust. He's scored at least 15 points in every game this year and has been pretty steady with, you know, four or five assists, four or five rebounds, and just helping out. And I, I think he realizes what he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about Jeremy in the past, and I've kind of kept the torch alive for him. I even drafted him in, in fantasy again this year for like the third time. And I think oh, this. Yeah. Might be the you know the third time's a charm, right? So there's a couple names. Mark Gasol is averaging 2010 this year, and he's never averaged 2010 in his career. He's never had 20 points a game, never had 10 rebounds a game. He's also shooting 40% from three. So and, and Memphis is five and one. So they've kind of you know shocked the world there. You know they they look like kind of a blah whatever roster, but they're winning some games even with Jamichael Green out. And then LaMarcus Aldridge has, you know, been reviving with no, but that's kind of, I guess, predictable with Kawhi Leonard. And it's kind of mysterious with Kawhi Leonard. It it was, okay, we're going to shut him down for the rest of preseason. And then, okay, he might miss opening night. Well, now we're almost a full two weeks into the year, and we don't know when uh, Kawhi Leonard's going to actually play in Donna uniform. So Aldridge is picking up that slack nicely. Manu Ginobili, at 40 years old, has actually come off the bench and done a few things. Their point guard, DeJounte Murray there, had an explosive 15-rebound, 16-point performance and then went into hibernation, <laughs> which uh, another guy who's littering my fantasy roster with bricks. I got I, I to ask you about Eric Gordon, though, to explain that. Top 10, top in, 10 in scoring. You know, Slim down, with, in shape, with, Eric Gordon. It's amazing. I watched them, uh, I think it was maybe opening night, and he was like going to the hole and throwing down. And I was like, this looks like Eric Gordon from his rookie year with the Clippers. Um, so it's nice to see him not – because he seemed to be just devolving into this camp out at the three-point line. Pass me the ball. I'll shoot the rock for three. And it's good to see him mix it up and because he's only 28 years old. He seems like he might be 32 or something. He's been in the league for a while. But it's good to see him round out his games. Top 10 in scoring. It's shocking. Oladipo is top 10 in scoring. Loving his Indiana um, new new home in Indiana. Yeah, he there. could win most improved player. That's player for, for sure. And a lot of him uh, at, at top 10 in scoring is because Miles Turner, unfortunately, I think it was opening night, he posted a massive line but took a hit to the head neck area. And hasn't played since, which um, is really a bummer because everyone's looking for Miles Turner to be a borderline all-star this year in Indiana. Yeah, I got um, one more I want to bring up just, just real yeah. quick. Blake Griffin, 40% from three. Mm. Yeah, you know, flaky Blakey. Um, you know, you, you figured that no no CP3, he'll play a bigger role, and I think he's embraced that. He's been in the league, what, seven years or so now, and... and um, it's neat to see these guys round out their games. I just don't like to see guys fall in love with the three and then discard other aspects of their game. But if you can add it as a tool and then still use a post-up game and the other tools, then fine, and not not sacrifice rebounding too much because when you're 23 feet from the hoop, it's hard to grab a rebound. But, um, yeah, that that uh, th- there's been a lot of very interesting uh, – developments so far and um we'll, we'll kind of have to see how things play out uh going forward um see see what changes and what's a true trend and what was just a early season aberration we will we will with it. it's a fun league with some young guys at the top of the list chris tefs for zingas third in the league in scoring but some veterans some guys that just progressively get better uh kemba walker comes to mind there having a good year but this is fun it's fun because we're not just seeing the top teams coast to easy victories there's been some drama so all right todd robinson speed burner this was fun we'll be reconvening soon so uh don't you worry but uh good luck with uh the fantasy season you got your work cut out with you after that draft 
I, I do. I'm, I'm haunted by that ghost, the ghost of D-Cuz, just crushing it on a nightly basis. But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely revisit this and, and exactly see, see what really is a, a new trend and a, and a surprising trend and what was just a, a fluky aberration uh, come, say, uh, Thanksgiving time or so. Absolutely. Todd, thanks again for being on the Money Mitch Effect. No doubt. Huge thanks, as always, to Todd Speedburner Robinson. Check out his stuff at Speedburner on Sports. And we'll see what happens. He's going to be regretting that Boogie Cousins pick for, uh, yeah, what, let's see, there's about seven months left in the season, so about then. Yeah, but all seriousness, thanks to Todd. Great NBA takes. Hope to have him back on soon. And now we're going to switch topics and talk NFL trades and NHL season with Tyler Tesson. A lot to talk about in the world of football and hockey. And uh, we're going to bring on Tyler Tesson to do just that. The trade deadline in the NFL in the first couple weeks of the NHL season. Some interesting trends there. Tyler Tesson on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, join us now on the Money Mitch Effect hotline. Friend of the program, friend of mine, Tyler Tesson. Tyler, it's been a while. Thanks for coming back to the show in the heart of football season. Thanks for rejoining the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Mitch. It's been interesting in the NFL season. We're going to talk hockey a little later in the show. But what I wanted to originally do up until about late last night was uh, recap the uh, games of last weekend. But now, honestly, the trades are more fun. And I got to ask you this question off the top. Can you remember in recent memory a trade deadline this exciting in the NFL? It seems out of place for this sport. Yeah, absolutely. I honestly, I don't even know if I can remember a big trade in the NFL in the past, you know, three to four years. It's just pretty much non-existent in the NFL at the trade deadline. Yeah, it's interesting because there may be one, and, and I don't know exactly what when it happened, but I know the trade deadline got moved a couple weeks later in the season. When we were growing up originally, it was only four or five weeks in, so you didn't really have that many moves to make. And I got to think there's a correlation with that because if you push it back, now we're halfway through the season, teams start understanding if they have a chance or not, although this might be a bad year for that given how mediocre everything is. But I think if you get this late in the season, you start to see, hey, we might be one piece away, or hey, we better just punt on the entire season. Yeah, and I think the NFL is just such a different animal than other sports, too, because teams, some teams just value draft picks so high, but when you can get a player who can maybe put you into the playoffs or make you a contender and you only give up a fourth-round pick, it's almost like it's a no-brainer to me. Why wouldn't you do it? Cause you just look at the odds of a fourth rounder turning into an impact player. They're just really not there. Yeah, I, I got to think it's salary based too. I mean, for some of the, the moves, unloading salary, trying to create room for for the next years. But the first trade I want to talk about, Tyler, is Jimmy Garoppolo. We had expected fans of the NFL, I should say, we have expected him to get dealt, and he wasn't up until this point. And I was under the thought process, I'm not sure about you, but I was in the thought process that the Patriots were just going to hold on until the uh, offseason to make up their mind then. They trade him to the Niners in a shocking uh, last-minute trade deadline deal on Monday night for just a second-round pick. There's a lot to digest, a lot to dissect about what that means, the ripples throughout the NFL. But for New England, Tyler, they flipped a fourth-round pick into a second, got great value there. But they are putting a lot of eggs, all their eggs in the basket of Tom Brady playing into his mid-40s. I was a little stunned by the move now as opposed to in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wonder if Brady having a good year this year had much to do with it. I think just seeing him at 40 already and he still looks like he's at the prime of his career, I think it may have gave Belichick some comfort. But also, you never know, Belichick, might have never been a blow too and just thought hey this is a guy who's could be an average quarterback but if we just keep holding on to him and someone's willing to overpay for him hey why not you know we turn a fourth rounder and a second rounder like you said and that guy loves the stockpile picks like no one else yeah it's fascinating i bet he read his book too i think that has to be part of it um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think Brady's amazing like anybody else. Probably the greatest quarterback to ever live. The problem is 
he's in uncharted territory and the small book that we have is that guys fall off a cliff at some point could brady be the exception possibly but well, we don't know that i mean we've seen guys go from 39 40 to being good to average to bad in weeks so i don't know yeah I mean, any quarterback's always one hit away from being rocked and you know you've heard some interesting developments he, he feels healthier but hey in the nfl you're always one play away from being hit but i think what it does is kind of limit their versatility they don't have the luxury of garoppolo anymore but in the short term if brady plays like this they got an extra second round pick another toy probably the draft and they're not going to feel it unless the big if is if brady goes down yeah i mean that's not just so interesting to me because you know the patriots you know you could bring in a brissette and you know i think what he won one game one or two games when brady was out last year and you know when grappolo got hurt and it's like you look at Brissette now and you put him on a bad team the guy looks like he probably shouldn't even be in the nfl <laughs> so it's like was grappolo one of those guys and you know belichick knows hey i'm if i can just get a guy to fit in my system he can be just as good as grappolo and i can get him in the sixth round you know yeah you just, it's yeah. one of those things where it's easy to say you can't judge the trade now, but if it's two years from now and Grapple is just absolutely awful, it looks like Hoyer out there for the 49ers. <laughs> or Matt you know, Belichick looks like an yeah, exactly. Belichick looks like an absolute genius. Well, I do think uh, might as well throw Ryan Mallett into that range as well. Uh, I do, I do yeah. think though that of all those guys, and you bring up a good point, Garoppolo is the only guy that has had, I'd say, the majority of league scouts drooling over him. I don't really remember that being the case for Mallet. I think, or, or or Castle or Brissette, you know, down the list, Hoyer. I just think this is the guy that coming out of the draft, there was a lot of potential in, and in the games that he did play, he looked like a different cut of a quarterback. Now there's the injury history because he got hurt in just four games, so we'll see. I mean, it's it's a gamble on Belichick. It, you're probably going to play your best for Belichick, so it's safe to assume that he's not going to be as good on a bad team, but on that bad team, the Niners, who are still winless this season, I'll say this off the top, Tyler. I don't know about you, but I was shocked that they made this move because I just assumed, like everybody, they were going to try to get Kirk Cousins in the offseason. Yeah, I think it was just a desperation move for Kyle Shanahan. I think he needed to get the fan base engaged, and I think Garoppolo was the guy everybody was been talking about as a prospect, and you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get Kirk Cousins either in the off season. So, I think it was for the 49ers. I think a second round pick, if you if he turns out to be a franchise quarterback, that's a steal for them. But it's a risky play for sure. But I, I don't know. I think it's going to be rough this year because he's not going to start for a week or two. I bet. Just no. You know, that's the thing with the NFL. You can't. You can't be a quarterback and just get traded and learn a system in a week or two. Exactly. I remember Josh Freeman did that once for the Giants or, or for the Vikings, and he was short hopping ball on a Monday night football game. I mean, you can't just throw him out there, and he's going to have to learn. And I do agree that a guy like Cousins or even Garoppolo is a better option for a team in complete disarray, needing the fan base to look better than the draft next year and have to go through that learning. Yeah. Too, so. I yeah, know. I think it's more how do you you got to get your fan base excited, and I think Garoppolo for a second rounder, I think probably does that than what they're going to get in the draft. So I, you know, I get it from both sides, and that's the thing I'd be scared of if I was a Forty ers It's like Belichick's the smartest coach in the league, and if this guy's willing to trade somebody to me, I, I'd just be scared. <laughs> yeah, his quote I liked it was. Um... You know, we had we had a, probably the best quarterback situation in the NFL, but it was unsustainable. And I don't think they were going to franchise him next year, given that he would have been making twice as much as Brady and not playing. And that's all Garoppolo yeah. wanted to do is play, and I understand that. that you know, I, he wants to be on the field, and he wasn't getting that opportunity in New England, and he wasn't going to re-up there unless he was franchised. So it's interesting. Now, I will yeah. say, though, that – the funniest part about all of this, and it all comes back to them when we're talking comedy, is how the Browns executives just went home at 5 p.m. yesterday, like a normal work day. <laughs> the Niners just stayed and made the trade. So, great. Yeah. Do you think Do you think there's any chance New England signs Kaepernick? No, they're going to sign Hoyer. I mean, the guts, we, I think it's pretty easy to connect the dots that they're going to release Hoyer, and New England is probably going to just sign a guy that's been Brady's backup before. Yeah. The interesting thing is if, if there was a spot for Kaepernick to go, you think it would be New England just because 
no one's going to be yelling if Brady has a bad game for Kaepernick to get a chance. And, you know, Belichick, he, if Kaepernick did one thing that pissed him off, he cut him after one day. So I, it <laughs> would just, true. I don't know. I, I just think it would be an interesting bit. And, you know, true. like I think Kaepernick can play, but no one wants to deal with the baggage. So I think you know, there might be some diehards, truthers out there that might say he should play if Brady goes on a, on a terrible skid, but I don't think that's going to happen. And, yeah, Belichick's the same guy that cut somebody the night before the Super Bowl, so he wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't lose any sleep about cutting Kaepernick or whoever who got on his bad side. Um, yeah, interesting stuff there. But Garoppolo in San Francisco's, uh, you know, a new facet. And I had heard one last thing on this trade, Tyler. You know, one of the rumors is Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, the Niners coach, and Kurt Cousins share the same agent. So I wonder if he learned really? something. I wonder if he learned something about his future plans going forward. Because I do yeah. think he's going to not be in D.C. next year. I think that's a pretty, I don't want to say safe, but a, a pretty decent chance he's playing quarterback somewhere else. Has- can you remember a quarterback of that magnitude? I mean, outside of Manning, obviously, but that's in the prime of his career that's going to be a free agent in the NFL. Like, it just yeah. it just never happened. You know, the only buddy else that I can think of is Breeze, and he was injured. I mean, there was the injury. Yeah. That I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, I mean, there's just been no one who can just go out there and just collect the payday like that, you know, in the absolute prime of it. I mean, he can demand any contract he wants at this point. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I've been sorting around Jacksonville is a great landing place for him. I just think, and this is just me predicting based on just instinct here, the Broncos. I think Elway gets him in a room, he works his charm, his magic, and he could go to Denver. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That is true. And Elway's He's got a way to make some room with the cap, too. So if anybody can make it work, it's him. <laughs> Talk about a guy that has no fear of cutting someone. Tebow wins a playoff game. Yeah. See you later. Peyton's but you think – but with that, I mean, that's a great point, though. If you're Cousins, is there – I mean, Jacksonville, I think, is a, actually a pretty good team. But Denver, you have a Super Bowl contender defense, and you have a – you know, you have Demarius Thomas. You got some good running backs. I mean, you have a team that you go to and win right away, too. Yeah, that's probably the best bet. And we know things are going to shake out in the offseason. Washington's going to make a push, so we'll see. But that was the first big domino of the offseason. Still chatting with Tyler Tesla, Money Mitch Effect. The trade deadline was active in the NFL. And another big trade that I want to discuss, Tyler, is the best team in the league, the Philadelphia Eagles. They were active again, not just playing it safe. They traded a fourth-round pick, a, just a fourth-round pick, to get Jay Ajayi from the Dolphins, the running back is going to Philly. Just a fourth-round pick for a guy that not too long ago was a 1,300-yard rusher. That is an absolute steal, and it bolsters a power running game in Philly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're Philly, a fourth-round pick is, I mean, if you can get a guy who can make an impact, I, I would do that any day of the week. Running back's one of those, though. I feel like if you have a great offensive line, you can throw about any fast guy out there, and they can do pretty well. But it hasn't been working with them this year. So, I mean, I don't think there's too much risk on their part with just giving up a fourth-rounder for him. And if he comes in and tears it up, that's kind of been the missing piece on offense for them. So, that could, I mean, they're already a Super Bowl contender, but that could make them a favorite in the NFC this year if it works out. Yeah, Ajayi is not going to start, but him, he's going to probably get a bunch of carries. I think this is just bolstering their identity. And how about that trade for Sam Bradford now, right, Tyler? They got a first and a fourth for that. Jay Ajayi and their rookie was Derek Barnett out of the end out of Tennessee, who just bolstered their front seven. So a lot to like about this team. And I, I mean, the NFL is as unpredictable as ever this year. Why couldn't Philly make a run just playing it simple, old-school smash-mouth football? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're probably the storyline of the NFL this year, including Carson Wentz, who's just tearing it up. I think everybody thought he had a chance to be pretty good, but I didn't think anybody thought he'd be quite at this level in year two. Yeah, well, and you got to respect Adam Gase, the Dolphins coach, for saying we're the worst offense in football and then having to do something <laughs> to shake it up and have his players believe him just trade the running back away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he pretty much knew Ajayi wasn't going to make a difference on his team. So, you know, might as well dump him, pick up the draft pick, and move on. I got to say, a little surprised Kiko Alonso wasn't suspended, but not surprised at all that Indomitian Sue is the scariest guy in NFL scrum probably of all time. Uh, I mean, 
he might be one of the first guys ever to just get arrested on the field and just taken straight to jail. <laughs> Some of the stuff just, that guy pulled. Just threw down a 300-pound line and sat on him. So. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, the other big trade that happened uh, today, um, that went down today, I should say, Buffalo and Carolina with a deal that sent Kelvin Benjamin to the Bills. Calvin Benjamin to the Bills. Now, well, the Bills have been trading everybody away, Tyler. They trade away all these veterans, even Marcel Darius to the Jaguars recently. But they actually acquire somebody, a receiver from Carolina. What's interesting about this deal, Carolina is not by any stretch out of the playoff picture. They're a little over 500. they They're you know, they're looking like a solid team. I don't know that they're playoff bound, but they certainly have a chance. Why do you think they got rid of Calvin Benjamin, given the fact that the season's not lost at all. They're 5-3. and three. Yeah, this one is not the most perplexing one to me because you have Olsen out pretty much the whole year, and then you don't really have any receiving threat but McCaffrey, who's your running back, and it's just – you never know with these trades. There could have been something in the locker room going on or off-the-field issues. So it's always hard to tell with these, but – from just a talent standpoint and where you need guys out there and with the year Cam Newton's having, you're really, you're hurting them more than anything with this trade. So I, that's what I just don't really get. It has to be, I mean, I, I would think it's either a, a locker room thing where, and I could say, you know, Devin Funches has been more of a, of a primary target for Cam Newton, especially in the red zone. Maybe Benjamin feels like he's not as much a part of the offense as he was early in his career. But, yeah, I don't know. It's strange. I mean, you think you need all the weapons you can get. I mean, they only well, that's, gave up, like, I think, was it a fourth-round pick? I mean, Yeah, and you think about, I mean, what, Benjamin had 12, was it 12 touchdowns his rookie year? And it's just, you know, it's I can't imagine. I mean, I know he got hurt the following year, but I can't imagine he's falling off that bad. But, you know, Cam's definitely taking a step back, too. Yeah, he's been getting roughed up. He's still kind of... A little indecisive. Just a third and a seventh for Kelvin Benjamin. And Buffalo, how about McDermott and company and what they're able to do? I mean, they are. Yeah, that's. If they, if they win on Thursday, they're, five, they're six and two, and they hadn't really had a lot of talent. Now, I should say skill talent. Their defense is really good. Tyrod Taylor now has a weapon after getting rid of Sammy Watkins. I think this team is suddenly very, very confident. Yeah, and I mean, you look at those two deals now, I mean, those were two great trades by Buffalo <laughs> I mean you know assuming the Benjamin works out but Seaman Watkins really hasn't done anything this year EJ Gaines is he's a solid defensive player and you look at the draft picks that they collected from the Rams I mean this has worked out yeah it's it's interesting I mean a lot of coaches say my way or the highway McDermott is like you disagree with me you don't buy in see you later and he doesn't care who it is everybody that's there is buying in and wants to be there and believes the team can be well. Um, I, yeah, I, they're they're probably the feel good story of the year of the league this year, and a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams because they're not going to oversimplify things at all. And, and I'm interested to see Benjamin and Taylor what that looks like. Yeah, you know Rex Ryan just got to be loving it analyzing <laughs> those games at ESPN. <laughs> oh yeah, just loves it. Well, Tower Tesla Money Mitch effect. There is one last thing to talk about. The debacle that went down between the Browns and the Bengals on the Browns end in the trade for A.J. McCarron. Where, but depending on who you believe, the Browns and Bengals had a deal to send McCarron to Cleveland. Interdivision QB trade for some draft picks. But Cleveland was celebrating and they didn't call the trade in properly and they missed the deadline. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the first mistake is why you celebrated that trade. <laughs> for a second and a third rounder, which is more, if you're keeping score at home, than the Niners gave up for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, wait, I mean, do you think it was just a desperation move after they saw that trade go down? or I, I think they don't know what they're doing, which is easy to say given how bad they've been. <laughs> but at this point, I mean, you've passed on Watson, Wentz, all these quarterbacks. Next year's draft, you have two firsts and two seconds. Just draft the quarterback there and be done with it. I mean, just figure it out then at that point because you're probably not going to get Cousins to sign with the Browns. I would run and hide from that meeting. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Why McCarron? Why why trade assets, a lot of them, for a guy that hasn't proven he can be good at all? Yeah, and you know, just their track record on quarterbacks they skipped in the draft. I I would just steer and take the best QB available, and just so you can't look back like Sean Watson and just play it safe. 
Yeah, this is going to be an interesting year as always. I, I feel like I say that, but enough assets to really get a quarterback and some other skill guys because that's what you need in Cleveland. It's just been a disaster. Well, Tyler Tesla, before we move on to some hockey talk, just recapping where we are at the NFL about halfway through the season for a lot of these teams, you surprised with how, I don't want to say even across the board, but how competitive it's been top to bottom in the NFL where there's only a couple really good teams. I mean, even the top teams have their flaws. You shocked with how unpredictable the most unpredictable league in sports is? Yeah, and it's just been just week to week. You'll have good teams getting blown out, and then you'll have bad teams just pulling upsets. You know, sometimes you just wonder if Vegas is just pulling some strings out there, but it really is crazy. But you have teams like Minnesota having a great year with a lot of QB injuries. They don't even really have a starting quarterback at this point when you have Case Keenum back there and you have Aaron Rodgers going down and who would have thought the Buffalo Bills would be up there tied for first place with New England it's just you know it's been a crazy year it really has been and it's hard to gauge who's good I really think the old adage styles make fights is going to play all the way through the playoffs where certain teams just happen to match up and have the other team's number Teams are starting to figure it out. New England's starting to get their defense back to at least average level. Seattle, a, a team we didn't talk about their trade to get Dwayne Brown. They got a lineman now. I think that's going to help them. They're starting to make plays. But it's unpredictable. It's hard to bet on, as you said, and it's hard to figure out week to week who's good. And, and really, it's hard to gauge how good wins are. You take a team like Buffalo, 5-2. and two, They beat Atlanta, Oakland, and uh, I'm trying to think who the third one is in there. Uh, but teams that were at the time, Denver at the time, trending up, and now they look really bad. So how good are even the wins that teams are notching? We don't know. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's been the craziest part to me is you'll watch a week and New England looks terrible. And then, you know, a team like the Ravens you'll watch and you look like they probably couldn't even beat Alabama and then they're still in the running to win their division. It's yeah. it's just been a really, you know, the Chiefs, I <laughs> I would say the Chiefs are one of the best teams, but then they go on a run where they look absolutely terrible too. The Titans are leading the NFC or the AFC side. Yeah, yeah. The Rams are looking at, are looking good. I mean, the Saints have won like what five straight. What is happening? Well, that yeah, the Saints are a team where I'll watch them one week and I'm like, wow, they're absolutely terrible. Sean Payton's probably going to be over as the Drew Brees are over, and then now what? They're five and two and in first place. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, but that's the NFL we live in right now. So um, yeah. I'm excited week to week. There's still a lot to decide, and I'm sure when we do this you know, two months from now at the end of the regular season, it'll look a lot different. Well, Tyler Tesla on Money Mitch Effect, last thing I do want to address, the NHL. We're about 12, 13 games in for a lot of these teams in the 82-game season, the 82-game grind, and some unpredictable division leaders right now. I'd say right off the top, the most predictable division leader I should say would be Tampa Bay maybe your St. Louis Blues but you have the Kings and the New Jersey Devils tied with Columbus for leading their divisions and really if you look at the standings if you look at how teams are doing some hot starts from some teams we weren't expecting but what got my attention is some cold cold starts for some teams that are perennially in the playoffs maybe not so much this year yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd say the two teams that jump out to me would be Vegas for getting off to a hot start. I mean, there hasn't been too many expansion teams that get started this quick, have that type of bag. I It's just been awesome to see. And then I would say the biggest surprise for me for a team not doing so well would be Edmonton, just with, you know, how good they were looking at the end of the year last year. Yeah, McDavid, who, you know, is supposed to be the next best greatest guy in the NHL so with them getting off to a slow start and Vegas just absolutely cruising in the beginning besides they can't keep a goalie healthy you know I would say to me those are the two storylines so far yeah um biggest loser right now probably NBC Sports for airing that Detroit Buffalo game (laughs) over (laughs) Edmonton and tweeting about the matchup too uh yeah Vegas has been a great story and the one thing I'll say there is they are getting breaks We've seen some games where they've gotten the benefit of the doubt. They've gotten some lucky bounces, but it happens. Those things do even out. I will say they they obviously have smart hockey people in the organization because they simplify what they do, and they have a roster that knows their limitations. Uh, That's been good to see. Edmonton 3-6-1, you mentioned. They might fire McClellan. 
I mean, they have a lot of expectations yeah. now, and if they keep it going, he might be out uh, there. I'm shocked with the Kings, honestly. I, they're 9-2-1 and one right now, yeah. and nobody really expected that given the fact that they didn't really replenish the roster. They have a few new pieces. I think Jeff Carter's injury hurts, but they still haven't really felt that, you know, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. Um, the Blues looking good, and I was going to ask you about this too, 10-2-1 on the season, 5-0 and oh at home. And really, it's the offense. They have the most goals in the Western Conference. We know what their MO is, but did you think they were going to be this good offensively to start the season? <laughs> Absolutely not. I okay. I still don't really know what's going on. I look at the Blues roster, and you know the first, second line are solid, but when I look at the third and fourth line, I just you know it's just not very impressive at all. But you know they're getting the job done. I think Schwartz finally took that step forward taking it to another level and you know he looks like arguably one of the best players in the league right now with how he's playing and when you can put in Tarasenko and you have Shen you can throw in there who's had a great start the year too it's been it's been really good to see I just I hope two lines are able to carry them all year they might be able to pick up some depth at the trade deadline as well yeah well they know what they're good at and it's interesting you get a good lead you play good at home you know, with the goaltending they're getting from Allen, it's it's pretty nice to see. The Eastern Conference, how about Tampa Bay, Tyler? 53 goals this year. I, I expected a bounce-back year from this team. Stamkos is good, but Nikita Kucherov, how is he still underrated? I feel like he's still not getting the credit he deserves. Yeah, I I guess you have to just say that because Stamkos gets all the headlines and he's the, you know, big name at Tampa. But, yeah, I mean, they're off to – hot star probably i would say if you know overall i would say they're probably the best team right now just watching some games and how they got off such a quick start but yeah stamkos finally they get him healthy and he's showing why he's one of the best players in the world i'm still bullish on columbus but i gotta say i'm shocked with what the devils are doing i knew that Corey snyder was a good goalie but they're getting some offense i mean they were the worst team in the nhl goals for last year or at the bottom three i should say but maybe the Devils can stick around, given that the Rangers look terrible, the Capitals are slow out of the gate, and uh, gosh, I mean, you look at other teams in the conference, the Canadians are just dreadful, too. Uh, maybe the Devils can yeah. stick around. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Taylor Hall trade's starting to pay off now, and Schneider's playing really well in that. The wide, how about Dustin Brown's resurrection this year? I think everybody kind of left him for dead, you know, the past two years yeah. after he lost the C and just really didn't do too much. Yeah, he, you know, he's doing well. There's been some interesting movements of uh, players of renaissance in their same team or, or moving to different teams, and Brown's playing well. Um, it's a nice sight to see that for Kings fans. The Rangers' window is shut, Tyler. It's over. They're not, they're not going to make another run at a championship. They don't have the roster. Yeah top to bottom it just does not look good and it's weird seeing Detroit probably on the outside of the playoffs a couple years in a row uh, for sure I'm worried about Washington though because the roster cap cap wise isn't going anywhere it's going to be it's going to turn into an aging roster pretty soon yeah and you know that one they signed Oshie to the big deal you have Ovechkin who some people thought he might take off after this year it's I don't know I'm not I'm not turning the page on them yet. I think there's a chance that they could turn it around. Yeah, the, the clock is ticking, I'll say that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, this year they can definitely turn it around. They have you know strengths at every position. But Toronto is another team. They add Patrick Marlowe, which was a sneaky play. He can still skate at his age after 20 years in San Jose. But Austin Matthews, he just keeps getting better. And I didn't think we'd be at this point in this year, Tyler, with me saying, he could challenge McDavid for the next face in the NHL. I think that's in play now, given what he's doing on a nightly basis with a little less flash, but the same, if not better, results. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many other aspects of that, too. He's in Toronto, which is just, you know, notorious hockey town. He's got the best coach in the world coaching him. And the team's getting better every game, you know. I think by the end of the year, people fully expect them to be a team that could potentially compete to make a run this year. So I think all of those play into it. I see a lot of I see a lot of Crosby in Matthews more so than uh, McDavid, and, and I mean that by he gets dirty, he scores dirty goals. I mean that's what made Crosby who he is approach, approaching the game like a grinder. You watch Matthews; a lot of times it isn't pretty, but he knows what he's doing, especially yeah. in the paint. Well. 
and U.S. born player. You know, you've had Kane, but since Kane, you really haven't had that guy who looks like could potentially be the face of the NHL. You know, that's a U.S. born player too. Yeah, well, I'm going to be watching everything that he does, and, and a lot of the young American players and young players in this league. So. The future is certainly bright for Austin Matthews. Well, Tyler Tesson, this was fun. Thanks for joining the show. And uh, we'll be catching up soon. i gotta, I got to see if I can survive if the Dodgers don't win the World Series, the, uh, <laughs> the impending result on the streets of L.A. Yeah, absolutely. That's been a fun one to watch, too. Yeah, we'll see. What, we'll see. But uh, it's been a great series, some long games. Uh, are they going to juice other, you know, balls and pucks in different sports given the success of the yeah. World Series? Yeah, there's something going on there. I, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Puig I don't just one-handed flick. The ball. Puig just yeah. one-handed flick to the, to a home run. These look like flyouts, and they're going over the fence by a couple runs. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. But Tyler yeah, Tesson, thanks again for uh, coming on the show. Hope to catch up with you soon. Yep. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Appreciate it. Thanks again to both guests, Todd Speed, Bernard Robinson, and Tyler Tesson for appearing on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks to Tim Adams for supplying the beats. And thanks to Brian Nelson for supplying the logo. That's going to do it for today's show. A reminder that there are a lot of sports on. We're going to have one more episode this week. Game 7 of the World Series is tonight. Game 7, the Dodgers winning Game 6 and forcing a pivotal Game 7. If you've got a lot of cash on you, <laughs> you can go to Game 7. There are some tickets available, but man... They are expensive, and the college football playoff coming out with the rankings of Georgia, number one, Alabama, number two, Notre Dame, number three, and Clemson, number four. Interesting first ranking. I got to think the Big Ten's going to have something to say when the season's over, but still a lot of time for that. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. If you like this show, listen, like, subscribe, leave a rating or a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. And tell a friend about the Money Mitch Effect. That's it for today. Thanks again for listening. This was the Money Mitch Effect. As always, keep enjoying sports, people.